Welcome to the February 14th, 2023 podcast of Wisdom Today. Hello, my name is Bill Kelly and I'll be your host today. Today we will be going over Proverb 14, but before we begin, let's open in prayer. Father God, I thank you for anyone listening to this podcast today. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to each one listening how much you truly love each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Proverb 14, beginning in verse 1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it, but knowledge is easy to him who understands. Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. The house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Even in laughter the heart may sorrow, and the end of mirth may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil will bow before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Do they not go astray who devise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. In the fear of the Lord... There is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. 
The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. In a multitude of people is a king's honor, but in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. The wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. Wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding, but what is in the heart of fools is made known. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him who causes shame. Friends, I have a special guest today. I have a first-year student at Karis Bible College, Jeremy Kuba. And Jeremy, I'd like to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you taking time. First of all, thank you, Bill, uh, for having me on your podcast. It's an honor to be on here and sharing a little uh, gem in the Word today. All right, great. Jeremy, we just read Proverbs 14, and many of you know that as Valentine's Day, but I understand you have a verse that you have picked out that you would like to share on. Yes, I just wanted to share on Proverbs 14.11, which uh, the latter part says, the tabernacle or house of the upright, or you could say the righteous, shall flourish. And uh, another translation, the Amplified says, will thrive. Uh, another translation, the New Life Version says, all will go well in the tent of the faithful. And Proverbs 28.20 says, the faithful shall abound with blessings. And so I wanted to just proclaim that over you today, this Valentine's Day, uh, and just proclaim God's blessings over you, over your household, over your marriage, and over your relationships, and every area of your life as you go throughout your day today, that God's blessings will just overtake you today as, um, as you go throughout your day today. Wow, Jeremy, I received that, and uh, I hope, I'm sure everybody else does too. Valentine's Day is always a very special day, but Jeremy, many people do not know who you are. If you would, just share a little bit about your childhood, growing up, and your fondest memories. Well, thank you, Bill. Um, it's Again, it's just an honor to be on here. Um, and so my fondest childhood memories, uh, I came from a divorced home. Uh, my father uh, left our family at an early age. Uh, I just remember him, my fondest memories of him just walking out one evening. And so uh, it was just my mother raising my brother and myself. And so uh, during this time, uh, she did everything she could to plant the Word of God into us. And um, one of the things that she did was um, there were some ministers that would come to town uh, every summer. Uh, Kenneth Copeland and a few special guests would come, and they would hold a week-long convention in Anaheim, California. And uh, that was about 
45 minutes to an hour away from where we lived. And so she would take us, and uh, every summer she would save up her vacation days, save up her savings, and we would go down to Anaheim, California to hear the word. And I was not interested in the word back then, but uh, one of the things I did like was food. And uh, because we would stay in the nice hotel, uh, we would uh, we would have uh, they would ha- they had a nice buffet downstairs, and so I always looked forward to that. Uh, but anyway, I heard the word uh, preached uh, morning, afternoon, and evening. Uh, this was a six day conference, so. Um, you had about five to six hours uh, hearing the Word of God every day. And at first, it didn't really have an immediate impact in me, but let me just encourage uh, you mothers out there, keep planting, keep sowing into your children. And, uh, and it's, you might not see anything at first, but there's something working in them. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, because the things which are seen are temporal, temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so I just encourage you to keep sowing, keep planting into your children um, in seeds of life, words of life. And so my mother would take us to these meetings and over the years, um, but one year I remember, uh, it was 2001, where I, it was the first time that I actually paid attention um, and I, I stopped uh, everything and I just listened to the word and what they had to say. And, um, and the same, same thing that happened the next year and the next year. But in 2003, uh, July of 2003, uh, I recommitted my life to the Lord. And um, it was actually in my grandmother's old study uh, um, in our house, uh, she she and um, my grandparents lived with us uh, with uh, lived with us in our our home, and uh, one of my fondest memories of her was her praying in this old study uh, room, her old study there, and it's funny because it was that same study where my mother led me uh, through uh, recommitting my life to the Lord, and also I guess where I also got baptized. In the Holy Spirit at that same moment, and so um, I will always remember that experience. Well, Jeremy, that that's that's very good. You know, um, what I'd like to do is, if you would, just share with the audience what is the most important decision you have ever made in your life, and tell us why. So, my most important decision I've ever made was um, being born again. Uh, I was. Uh, dealing with uh, a lot of depression before this time came. And uh, I knew about being born again just through these meetings, and also through growing up in church, that God had an amazing life um, just, you know, outside of what the life I was living in uh, at the time. And so, um, so I, yeah, I just, that's when I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, recommend my life to the Lord, and uh, that tops any decision uh, I've made and will make is uh, making Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Jeremy, that is so good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, most of you are familiar with this, but 
It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And for those of you listening who are in despair right now, you may be a little bit depressed. I hope that speaks to you. God has a plan for each one of us, and it's to be good. It's to have a good life. He doesn't want us to be in depression. That is not God's plan for any of us. So just be encouraged and know that God has a good plan for you. Jeremy, if you would, um, I know you talked about receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and by far, that is the most important decision anyone can make in life. If you would, go a little bit further. The Bible tells us that when we give our life to Jesus, our life automatically changes in our spirit, but our soul, which entails our mind, willing, and emotions, does not automatically change. Did your life change right away, or did that take a period of time? Yes, it did, actually. Uh, but I wanted to highlight something, first of all, uh, because the scripture you shared in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is actually one of my life verses, because that was the verse that my grandmother wrote in my first Bible. And I'll always remember that. So I just wanted to encourage you that God has an amazing plan for you uh, wherever you are listening, uh, wherever you are in life, that uh, he's there with you and he's there for you. And just be encouraged by that. So back to your question. Uh, Yes, my life uh, changed um, after I was, uh, after I recommitted my life to the Lord and after uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I just had an immediate hunger and desire for the Word, and that was something I never had before uh, growing up. I, I remember going to church and even hearing uh, you know, these meetings early on in, uh, for the summertime. Uh, I had no interest in the Word, but um, something immediately changed the moment I, I recommitted my life to the Lord. And I had it's funny, I had this one youth devotional that was given... Uh, the previous summer, and I had put it away, never intending to ever pick it up again. But after I recommitted my life to the Lord, that devotional um, became really my Bible course, my Bible training during that time. And so that's uh, so that's when I knew that you know my life had changed it was this hunger I had for the for God and His Word. Jeremy, that is so good. I'm going to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. And it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. For those of you not used to reading scripture, let me just give you a piece of wisdom. When you read the word of scripture, know this, that the word of God is alive. And I'm asking you, do not read the Bible as though it's a novel. It is not a novel. It is living and breathing, and it will change your life if you read it. 
Jeremy, thank you so much. I know it's been a while. I'm kind of curious if you could take me the step because, you know, you told me that you're 38 years old and I'm still trying to figure out what happened when you became, you know, a, a graduated from high school and try to take me through that period of time between 18 and 38, if you would. That's a great question, Bill. Um, so after I recommitted my life to the Lord, I just had this hunger for God, hunger for his word. Um, and so this was right after high school, after right after graduated high school. And actually, I was on my way to a Christian university um, in Southern California. And it was about 20, 30 minutes away from uh, my house. And so, um, and I was on uh, on my way to major in the history there at, at the university. And so um, didn't have any other intentions as far as going to this university, but uh, just getting, getting a degree in ministry. That's all it was. And so I just remember one day, though, in college, uh, where I just heard God speak to me and, and tell me to change my major into ministry. And I never had seen myself in ministry prior to this time. And uh, I fought it at first because uh, one thing that one of my greatest fears was speaking in front of people. And so I struggled with this. And so I fought the call at first. And I just remember one time where God spoke to me. I was walking by the school registrar office. And again, the Lord told me, change your major into ministry. And I said, no. Um, I'm, I, and I told him basically why and all these fears and everything that I was dealing with. And so eventually, you know, over time, uh, later that year that uh, God just, he didn't, he doesn't stop uh, asking you and you know, so forth. And so I finally surrendered to the call and uh, went into that office and changed my major. And I was, I just remember being in that, that office and asking myself, what am I doing here? I mean, I don't know anything about the Bible. I just recommitted my life to the Lord. But sometimes it's taking that step of faith and, and following him. And just like Peter had to take that step to get out of that boat to, to come to Jesus, we have to take that step of that initial step of faith. And that's where I was at that moment. Wow, that is so good. And uh, in Matthew's account of the gospel, when Jesus was walking on the water, and it says that the disciples were in a boat, and they were on their way on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus, he actually says that he was going to pass them by. But the apostles saw him, the disciples saw him, and he sat there and he said, you know, do not be afraid. It's me. Here, it's me. It's Jesus. And Peter said, if it is you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come and so he took that leap of faith and went out of the boat. What I've always liked about that story is Jesus could have asked all his disciples to come. They all could have joined Peter, but only Peter had the faith to actually step out of the boat. Jeremy, you've mentioned to me that you feel you have the call of God to be a missionary. If you would, just run that bias when did you hear from God, and specifically, what has He told you? 
So when I first heard the call of God to um, uh, be a missionary um, was actually when I, before I was even serving the Lord. And uh, I was, uh, as I said earlier, my mother was taking my brother and I to these meetings and uh, these, uh, which was with, you know, with Kenneth Copeland and a few other guest ministers there. And I always remember the Friday, uh, Fridays were, were his, uh, Kenneth Copeland's day where he would share about his vision, what he was believing God for and different things uh, uh, for the ministry. And the, I remember during that time, he was believing God for an intercontinental jet. And the Lord had given him a word that's, that was, the word was, uh, if I need you in Tokyo by tomorrow morning, I don't want you to have to, you know, go through all the process of, you know, going through commercial airlines to get there. I just want you to go immediately. And whenever he said that, he said that for year after year, he would discuss the, the vision of his ministry. And whenever he said that, something would go off in my spirit, even though I wasn't even serving God at the time. I would hear that, and the question would come up in my heart, why does he need to go? Why does he need to go? And I struggled with that, and you know, because I wasn't serving God at the time. But I knew in me that eventually, one day, that's where God wanted me to be. Wow, that is so good. And I'm going to go to um, a scripture from a kind of little obscure book, uh, Habakkuk. He was a minor prophet, but in chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. For those of you who may be kind of lost in your life right now, and you're not sure where the Lord has you going, what path you're supposed to be on, the Lord makes it clear we're supposed to have a vision. And if you truly seek God, He will make a vision for what He has in store for you, and it'll be clear. But when you have that, you're to write it down. You're supposed to write your vision down. All right, Jeremy, go ahead and add a little bit to where you're at. Well, Bill, uh, I feel like I need to clarify some things first. Um, actually, growing up, um, I remember my grandparents, uh, watching my grandparents' uh, devotion to the Lord. Uh, they were actually missionaries uh, to Japan, which they served in Japan for, I believe, 30 years. And so I just, my, some of my fondest memories were seeing, especially my grandmother at the kitchen table praying, or, you know, I'd see her on the ground praying, her face just on the ground praying. And those, thing, those events marked me. Um, but for, as far as my calling for when I heard the call of God for Japan, um, I heard it, you know, before I was uh, recommitting my life to the Lord. But over, uh, you know, over the years, um, I kind of forgot about that, and especially when I was in college. And you know, in college, I never saw myself. Actually, I never saw myself in ministry, let alone a missionary. But in 2013, I believe it was 2013, uh, my older brother heard the call of God to go to Japan to be a missionary. And when he went, I remember when he left for Japan. 
I was like, at that moment, I was like, great, that's great for him, but that's not, that's not for me. I just never saw myself as a missionary, even though I was, uh, you know, I was uh, starting to uh, serve in ministry at my local church and everything. Um, I never saw myself out of this country, let alone from outside of California. Um, and so when he left for Japan, I just remember that that was back in 2013. And uh, shortly after that, we, our family uh, got word, um, this was in 2016, beginning of 2016, um, that my brother uh, met someone in Japan, actually they're a Japanese pastor, and um, they were going to get married. Uh, she pastors a church in southern Japan. Yes. So we started to get ready to uh, go to Japan. But while we were getting ready, one of my grandparents' uh, former, um, one of the people that they ministered to in Japan actually had a vision of me in Tokyo before they even knew about my brother's wedding, before they knew that he was going to get married and I was going to be there for that wedding. And they actually had a vision of me having coffee at an airport in Tokyo, and they knew nothing about the, the wedding at all. And so I remember this, and I was like, I was wondering and was asking God, do you want me to minister there? I was, so I was thinking possibly he wanted me to minister for that time period, just for a short time when we went for my brother's wedding. So I took my Bible and you know a few books just in case, but um, nothing really took place uh, with that. And uh, so, but on the day of the wedding, uh, our family was getting ready to, you know, we were getting ready in the, the room uh, bef before the wedding started. And the same lady that had the vision, uh, I was talking to her in this room and uh, we were talking about my time in Japan, vacation and everything. And right in the middle of that conversation, she stops and she says, Jeremy, Promise me you're going to come back to Japan. And I was taken back for a moment, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come back. I mean, I'm having a great time here. I'm, uh, I'm on, here for vacation. I, I love Japanese food. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely come. And uh, so we started talking again about our subject. But again, right in the middle of the conversation, she stops. And she, she turns to me, and she says, Jeremy, promise me you're going to come back to Japan. And I knew she told me, she asked me that before. And so, but then it still didn't dawn on me what she was asking at that moment. And so I said, yeah, sure, definitely. I'll, I'll come back to Japan. I mean, you know, I'm here for vacation. I, I'm not working at this, you know, so I mean, so I'm on, so yeah, I'll definitely come back. And so then a little bit later towards the end of the conversation, she stops again and she says, Jeremy, Promise me you're going to come back to Japan, that you will come back to Japan. And I was, I was, it, then it dawned on me at that moment, and I realized God's calling me to Japan. And that was one of my first um, big instances where God really spoke to me um, about coming to Japan. And that began actually a series of events from there um, after that. Um, leading to um, me eventually getting on track to go to Japan.
Okay, wow. You know, having a call to be a missionary is a very, very important call. You know, and um, I'm looking forward to hearing from you in the future and how that works out. But in the meantime, you have been drawn to Karis Bible College. And right now, we are very fortunate in this season of time. You're a first-year student, but we are currently under Word Monday through Friday, four hours a day, 20 hours a week of extensive teaching of the gospel. If you would, Jeremy, tell us how that has impacted your life over these first two months of this year. Yes, it's definitely been an amazing time. Uh, The instructors and uh, leaders here at Karis Bible College will say it's like drinking from from a fire hose, and it literally is. You are getting the word nonstop. And I have just, in fact, I told someone earlier, I noticed transformation right away just after a couple weeks of being in classes. Just small things here and there, but how small things that like, you know, how I would respond to things. Uh, I saw myself responding to things differently than uh, I did in the past. And so I'm just grateful to be here and for the transformation that's happening in my life. And uh, I look forward to even more. Jeremy, that's really a good point you bring up. And it reminds me of a verse in James that says, be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger. Jeremy, what I've learned, you know, now that I'm in my second year is that one of the things when you're constantly under the Word of God that your anger seems to dissipate. I used to have an issue with anger and it's like that's totally gone now. In addition to that, I'd say that I'm a lot calmer than I used to be. I have developed a lot more patience But if you would, explain in your own words how you have changed since you've been here first year. Yes. So um, one thing is just how I would respond to situations that would come up. Um, I've been uh, one of the things that I had to kind of deal with uh, that I'm still working on are my words. And, uh, you know, life and death, Proverbs 18 says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And uh, those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And so uh, that was one of the things I was working on. But I just remember uh, one moment where actually I was uh, just came back from church uh, here. I think I was going into a church in Colorado Springs. And I I had just arrived at to get some groceries at the grocery store, and it started to hail hard. And I just remember... Uh, in inside my car, speaking to that hail, and I said, "In the name of Jesus, I command this hail to stop." And right away, that hail started to slow down, and then it turned to rain. And I just remember, uh, and then all of a sudden, the sun started to come out. And so that was one instance where I, I was like, "Wow, something is happening in my life," and that's you know that's one of the few, that's one of the thing many things I've noticed. Um, happening um, through all this, through hearing the Word of God here at Karis. It's been amazing. Well, Jeremy, I can testify to that. Um, Friends, you can talk to anything that is happening in your life. It's called Talk to Your Storm. And Jeremy, I'm going to testify that three different times over the last 15 years, I've played golf, and it starts raining, and it starts getting really nasty. 
And I literally point at the sky and say, I don't mind if you rain, but it's not ready now. You need to wait until I finish this round of golf. And some of you may be laughing and saying, oh, come on, that's not true. It's happened three different times. And a lot of times, not only does the clouds go away, but actually the clouds disappear totally and the sun comes out. Now, one time, as soon as I got in the car, it started raining again. But two other times, the rain never came back. It just totally cleared up. The sky turned sunny. And believe me, friends, you can do this. The Bible tells us, this is an example Jesus gave us. You know, when he went to his mother-in-law, Peter's, Peter's mother, and he, she had a fever in bed, and he spoke to the fever, and he said, fever, be gone. And immediately that fever left. And friends, we can do the same exact thing. Jeremy, is there anything else you'd like to add before we close for the day? I just wanted to encourage you again, stay in faith, don't give up. God has an amazing plan for you, uh, like the scripture that um, Bill had quoted earlier in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. And I just wanted to encourage you today that you have a great future ahead of you. God has a great plan for you. And uh, just be encouraged by that uh, as you go about your day today. Jeremy, once again, thank you. And, uh, you know, if you'd be interested, I'd kind of like to have you on again before the end of the year. I know that you're growing, and I can see that, and growth is good. And friends, I'm here to tell you, if you're not used to reading Scripture on a regular basis, let me invite you to do that. And it's not something you have to do, and that's what I want to get across. It's not a matter of having to read Scripture. If you truly want to draw closer to God, it's something you want to do. You have a hunger. And Jeremy talked about that earlier in this, uh, in this podcast. He talked about that hunger, and he realized his need to get into the Word of God. It is something that is every bit as important as eating natural, physical food is the Word of God. I will never end a podcast without giving anyone an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If there is anyone listening to this message today and you've never taken that step, you can do that right now. I invite you to say a simple prayer after me. If you would, simply repeat after me, God, thank you for sending Jesus to earth for me. Jesus, thank you that although you were tempted in every way, as are we, you chose never to give in to the temptation of sin. Yet you were willing to die on a cross for everyone listening to this podcast today. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. By doing that, you have put me in right standing with God, and I can now boldly go to God in prayer and ask Him for anything I have need of. Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if any of you repeated that prayer, 
I ask that you send me a quick email at BillKelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, 0807 at protonmail, M-A-I-L, dot com. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Friends, please join me again tomorrow as we further explore wisdom today.